Oh! 
And I would look down at my phone, and there would be a scripture that God gave me when I was 11. And I looked at my phone, and there was a scripture from when God taught us. When people are speaking things over you, and when the enemy is trying to speak things over your life, you stand on this scripture, and you keep moving, and I will direct your path, and I will focus you. Did I leave work on Friday like whipping the devil with a, you know, by the tail? No. I was exhausted Friday night. I was exhausted Saturday. But through the entire process, I kept putting one foot in front of the other and saying, Jesus, you got this. Because you already sent somebody to cover me in prayer. And your spirit is covering me. And I wear your name. So when the enemy comes in like the flood, he's seeing you. He's trying to get around it. He's trying to convince me that I'm defeated. And maybe I shut have open my mouth last week and said what I said about standing on the word of God. But I'm going to stand here today and say the same thing. It's time for the spirit of grace to stand on the word of God and begin to move in what you know is true. And if you're not sure what's true, open it. My pastor's wife growing up showed us an example one time, and I think half the congregation thought she had just become sacrilegious. She opened her Bible, put it on the floor, took her shoes off, And you will. 
blessings going in here and in here and it's being walked out with our feet and our hands.
Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. It's so amazing to be a part of a group of people where the presence of God can be felt. Amen. God bless you. Can you see it? Don't leave this worship. Don't leave this presence. Keep your minds attuned to the things of God. There is absolutely, without a doubt, a stamp of anointing and approval on this service. And uh, hopefully you'll realize it even more here in just a couple of minutes. But there's something that's happening and we've got to be ready to receive what he is saying right now. And uh, in this in this day and age. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, as you're turning there, I know we have one more announcement that I've got to make. I'm required by law to make it. And that is our annual business meeting is coming up in February. It, we're we're going to do it a little different this year. We're going to do it on February 21st. It's a Sunday. We'll start our meeting about 20 minutes after the service is completed. And... Uh, and then we'll have our gather back in the sanctuary here for a few minutes to have our business meeting. Um, for those that have questions, uh, to be a voting member of our church, you need to be 18 years of old, having repented and baptized in Jesus' name by immersion, have received your desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as described in the book of Acts. Uh, our regular church attendance and faithful in supporting the work of the assembly, contributing as faithful stewards, such time, talent, and resource as God has blessed them and have done so for the preceding six months. And uh, the, the business meeting really is a time for you to just kind of get a glimpse of the direction that we feel the church is going. It's not preaching or anything. It's, it's, a, it's a business meeting. Karen preaches, but that's about it. <laughs> she gives the financial report in minutes from last year. Praise God. We have two open board seats this year. To be a board member of Spirit of Grace Church, according to our bylaws, you need to be 21 years old. And then everything else that I read just a few minutes ago about being a member, except that you must be a member for 12 months and not just six. And so the nominating process is open if you would like to nominate yourself or another. You can do so by giving me their name, and uh, then we'll proceed from there. Praise God. God has blessed this church immensely over the years for their faithfulness in the things of God. So that will be the 21st of February. I don't see the meeting taking very long, but uh, we would invite you to be a part of that. If you're newer to the church, come and see how this church operates. Praise God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, <clears throat> as I read this passage of scripture, I believe you're going to understand that Katie was absolutely in the will of the Lord this morning. 
Meanwhile, verse 1, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Just by the way, that's not because of the Lord. That's because of Eli. And one night Eli was almost blind by now had gone to bed and the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God and suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. The Lord called out again, Samuel, and Samuel again got up and went to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized, this is how cold he had gotten, it took him three times to realize it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came again and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and the sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice or offerings. And then Samuel stayed in bed in the morning and got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. And uh, I believe that it's the time for the voice of the kingdom. The voice of the kingdom. There was, before we go, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes and ask God to block everything aside so that you can receive what he has for us. Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, to put blockers in. Lord, that would hinder any disturbance or distraction from your word today. Lord, I believe that you're trying to speak to Spirit of Grace Church today. I believe you're trying to speak to every individual that's in the house today. And I'm asking you, Lord, to do your work. I'm asking you, Lord, to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds to comprehend what you're trying to say to us. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Very well. There once was a man that whispered, God speak to me, and a bird sang, but the man did not hear. So the man yelled, God speak to me, and thunder rolled across the sky, but the man did not listen. The man looked around and said, God let me see you, and a star shone brightly, but he did not notice it. So the man shouted, God show me a miracle. And a life was born, but the man was unaware. So the man cried out in despair, Touch me, God, and let me know that you are here. Whereupon God reached down and touched the man, but the man brushed the butterfly away and walked on. There was another man. There's another man that's kind of like a lot of us men. 
They were having difficulty communicating with their wives and concluded that she had become hard of hearing. And so he decided to conduct a little test without her even knowing about it. So one evening he sat in a chair on the far side of the room and her back was to him and she could not even see him. And so very quietly he whispered, can you hear me? There was no response. So moving a little closer, he asked again, can you hear me now? Still no reply. Quietly he edged closer and whispered the same words, but still no answer. So finally he moved right in behind her chair and said, can you hear me now? And to his surprise and chagrin, she responded with irritation in her voice, yes, for the fourth time. <laughs> that never happens in our house. <laughs> I share these two stories with you for a very specific reason. And the premise of these two stories is this. When God speaks, make sure you do not miss out on a blessing because it's not packaged the way that you expected it to. And number two, the hearing problem is not with God not speaking, but it's with us not hearing. I believe that Samuel... And this story of the call of Samuel is a good reminder to you and I that God is always speaking. God is a God of the word. In fact, the Bible says it in John chapter 1 verse 1, he is the word. Which, by the way, we're starting a study on that tomorrow night at Grace College at 7 o'clock. I want you to come and be a part of that. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh. He hasn't stopped talking since he started creation. It's just that people have not listened. People have become dull of hearing and hard-headed and hard-hearted to hear what God has stated. Notice in verse 1 that it, 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 the voice of the Lord or the messages of the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. That's not because God stopped giving visions and God stopped talking. It's because somebody stopped listening and stopped explaining. I believe that we are living in a day and age where on the whole across around the world, the voice of God has been to be uh, squelched, trying to be silenced, trying to be put aside, not by certain mandates of different aspects of the political realm or any of those kinds of things, but because people's hearts have stopped listening and receiving what thus says the word of the Lord. I believe that there are churches even around the world today that have given up on preaching the word because it's been too difficult, it steps on too many toes, it offends too many people. But I dare say to you today that without this thing called the word of God, we would be of most men miserable. We would be lost without any hope. It is the word of God even when it offends me, even when it corrects me and disciplines me. It is the word of God that forms me into the person that I'm supposed to be. So as far as I am concerned and with or without your permission, until the trumpet sounds, this preacher is going to preach the word of God. I stand on the promises of the scriptures. 
if it's in here, I want it. If it's not in here, I can leave it or take it, whichever it is. But in here, I've got to have it. And God is trying to say to somebody today, through a saint of God, to the word of the Lord, to the songs that were sung, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to speak something into you. Will you remove the distractions of your life and let the voice of the kingdom of God speak into you so that you can become what God is trying to create in you and create you to me? See, here's the problem. What we don't understand, especially as men, is that communication is important and vital to any relationship. And we've done enough teaching on the difference between men and women, and we'll do a little bit more in February to try to help us men step out of our nothing box and into something. You see, Matthew 15, 8 says it this way. People draw near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I don't mean to cast judgment on any person. But I look across, I mean, never watched some of those on the street interviews where people walk around. I'm sorry, but somebody that says I'm a born-again Christian, but I haven't been to church in about three years, there is a disconnect for me. Their lips may say they're born again, but their heart is telling me something different. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm asking somebody that claims to be a born-again believer, but they believe in things that go against the Word of God, and they teach things that go against the Word of God. Matthew 15, 8 is coming to pass. They're talking it through their lips, but it hasn't gotten into their heart. You see, when it gets into your heart, your kingdom changes because you're no longer a part of the kingdom of this world, but you have stepped into the kingdom of our Lord and where he reigns and what he's doing and where he is speaking. And he will not go against his word. You see, here's the problem. There are too many different voices in the world. There's a lot of them. There is the voice of man. The voice of man is easy to recognize because it's the audible voice of another person that is talking to us. In fact, it's probably the main way that you and I communicate with one another. It's through the spoken word. Now, sometimes the voice of man may give you some wise advice, but anytime the voice of man conflicts with the voice of God, something needs to be checked. Acts 5.29, Peter says this, and the other apostles that were with him, we ought to obey God rather than men. Can I just tell you there's some things in here, and, and, and here's the problem. Part of the reason why we can't hear the word of God as he's speaking to us, because we haven't read the word of God that's already been spoken. There is a principle in the word of the Lord called the principle of first things. 
He establishes principles and he does not go against his principles. So when he begins to deal with you on a personal level and you start feeling the pull of the spirit, if it's going against anything in here, it's not his spirit that's pulling you. It doesn't matter who says it. Can I just tell you if you're living your life entirely and completely off of something that you have heard preached, I fear for you. And I'm a preacher. Can I tell you that there have been more than one person that have gotten so confused and tied up because of something that they've heard online or on YouTube and they've listened to this preacher and this preacher and this preacher and all three of them are preaching something different and they're all saying it's the word of God. And God told me this and God told me that. If you've ever noticed through the years that I have pastored, it's very, very rare that I tell you that God told me. I may say something to the effect of, I believe that God is leading us this direction, but I'm not so bold as to tell you because I haven't had the audible voice of God stick out in the clouds and say, Tim, say this to the people. I believe that he has spurred me. He has challenged me. He has drawn me to his word. And I do my very best, and I hope that I never do a bad job of saying what thus says the word of the Lord based on the word of the Lord and not based on something that I come up with out of the newspaper. I, 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 want, to under, I want you to understand that the voice of man is available on uh, very cheaply, if you will. And the voice of man, no matter what their motivation or whatever their intention is, is not the voice that you and I are called to listen to. There is only one voice that we are called to listen to, and it's the voice of the master. It's the voice of the shepherd. It's the voice of the creator. And when we're willing to listen to him and ignore the others, we become better off for it. The voice of Satan is rampant in the world today. He hasn't stopped talking either. Since the Garden of Gethsemane, he started talking to Eve and then to Adam. And then all the way through the history of time, he has been trying to get man's attention. Can I tell you that Satan has a multi-billion dollar industry that's trying to attract the hearts and the minds of people around the world. Can I tell you, and not, nothing that you don't really know, but the whole advertising industry and Hollywood industry is trying to get something into the minds and into the hearts of people of every walk and every age. Can I just tell you, just like in the Garden of Eden, he takes something that appears to be true and then he exposes it as a lie. Can I just tell you that he knows the word of God as well as any of us know the word of God and he knows exactly how to twist the word of God to make sense and even though it's a lie, he did it with Eve and he's been doing it since the Garden of Eden. Can I tell you how I know that? Here's the reason why I know that I mentioned this a couple of months ago, but I have yet to see one advertisement for a Planet Fitness or for a Lifestyle Fitness or an experienced fitness with somebody like me standing on a treadmill. I've seen men that are built, then they're toned, that they're to do 100 miles on a treadmill is nothing to them because they're already there. And yet that's what is being advertised. 
I'd like to think if I went to Planet Fitness every day, I'd look like that. But chances are, it's probably not going to happen. Why? Because they're doing all kinds of things. That's where that focus is. And they're using that person as a tool to get people thinking. Let me ask it this way. How many of you have ever exercised? How many of you look like the advertisements? <laughs> it looks good. He paints pictures of fun and excitement, but he doesn't paint the picture of the morning after. Listen, don't get enthralled with the voice of your enemy. Don't let him lull you to sleep. Here's how you identify the voice of the enemy. You've got to have some of this. How do I know that? Because the enemy even spoke to Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4. And the way that Jesus responded to Satan was this is not the way it was written in the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. He used the word of God as an arsenal to silence the voice of the enemy. And if you read Luke chapter 4 in verse number 1, it doesn't matter whether you're full of the Holy Ghost or not, the enemy's still going to talk to you. Because the Bible says in verse 1 that Jesus went out into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost and Satan came and had a conversation with him. But when, when Jesus rebuked him with the word of God, in verse number 14 the Bible says that Jesus came out of the wilderness not full of the Holy Ghost, but in the power of the Holy Ghost. When you take the word of God and use it against your enemy, you are empowering yourself to be more than an overcomer. Another voice that's out there, and this is the scariest one that's out there, and that's the voice of self. It's talking to yourself. And this voice needs to be taken with extreme caution because your voice to yourself is influenced by everything around you. The Bible says it this way, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's That sounds real good until you read the other verse that says, your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. No man can know it. 1 John 2, 16 17 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. As the world passeth away in the lust of it, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen, my friend, don't try to talk yourself into something. Let God talk you into something. 
Listen, now don't get me wrong. We have taught, I believe there are times where you need to speak up against your enemy. But that's not on your own. That's speaking up on behalf of the word of God. When the Bible says that you're nothing, you, or when the enemy says that you're nothing, and the Bible says, no, 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 I'm the apple of his eye. When you begin to speak like that, you're speaking his word, not your word. You're trying to convince, you are stepping out in the power and the anointing of the word of God. When he says that you are lost and you respond to him, oh, no, 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 I was lost, but now I'm found. That's different than you trying to talk to yourself. Because when you start talking to yourself, you're going to do exactly what Katie shared with us today. And that is you're going to talk your wants into your life. And when you get your wants into your life, it will become a distraction to the needs in your life. The voice we need to listen to is the voice of God. Jesus said it this way. My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. That's John chapter 10. Here's, here's the key statement of that passage. My sheep know my voice. It means that you need to know your shepherd. And you need to be his sheep. Now, can I just tell you, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but sheep are dumb. They don't know what to do. They can't defend themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't shear themselves. They can't milk themselves. They can't do anything without the help of the shepherd. You see, here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. We, we don't really know about being a shepherd very much in America because most of us have never been on a sheep farm. But, but sheep in the mornings are let out of the pen to run in the wild pastures around. And there would be several different flocks that would join during the day and they would mix out in the pastures as they were eating and doing whatever sheep do all afternoon and all morning long while the, the shepherd has let them go. And the different shepherds of old would stand out in the, in, the, in the countryside, if you will, and they would watch the flocks. But all of the flocks were intermingled until the shepherd began to call them. And the shepherd would stand at the door of the, the pen or the area that they had cordoned off to protect the, the, the sheep at night. And so he would begin to make his call to the sheep. And the sheep all mixed together out in the countryside would hear the voice of their shepherd. And those sheep would go to the shepherd that was calling them and they would walk right in. Uh, and when the Bible says that he's the door of the sheep, the shepherd would lay down in the doorway of protection for the, the flock that he had within the, the cordoned off area. It, it's a picture of you and I today. You cannot help but to go where there's other sheep. This afternoon, you're going to leave here in just a few minutes, and you may go to a restaurant finally, or you may go to a store, you may go home, but you're going to be among other sheep of a different pasture. Uh, you're going to be among sheep of a different shepherd. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and there's going to be different sheep with you. But when your shepherd begins to call you, do you know him well enough to respond and separate yourself 
from the other sheep and be drawn back into where God has you. That's what Jesus is talking about. He, they will not be let off by another. A, she, a sheep learns his shepherd's voice. And when the shepherd begins to speak, the sheep begin to respond to that voice. And they ignore every other voice. Can I tell you, those sheep are dumb except for the voice of their master. You and I have got to become dumb, if you will, to the things around us, to where we're not attracted by it, where we're not curious by it, where we don't want to dabble in it, but we want to listen for the voice of God as he speaks to us, become ignorant of all the other things that are out there. The pastor, little bow sheep, said they could do this, they could do that. Little bow sheep is part of another sheepfold. Why do you want to go to where there's another shepherd when you have the great shepherd? You see, God is speaking. He is calling. He is, sending, he is sending thunder. He is sending a bird. He is sending a butterfly. Are you listening for him? Is your ear and heart attuned to him? Can I just tell you, it's one of the hard things to do because we're humans. But the Bible says this, trust in the Lord with all your mind. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. The word hallelujah and the word all is universal words. Hallelujah in any language means I'm giving you my all. All in any language means all. I know that's profound. <laughs> and yet we ignore him when he says to acknowledge him in all our ways. Listen, I don't want to condemn anybody or even convict anybody, but I just want to speak a little reality to you. When was the last time you consulted God about what kind of milk you would buy? Hey, I'm speaking to myself today. I'm in the same boat. When was the last time you consulted with God as to what vehicle you were going to drive? What home you were going to live in? What job you were going to take? When was the last time? Those are some big ticket items. So you can maybe say and raise your hand and say, yeah, I, I prayed about that. I talked to him about that. What about the last time you decided whether or not to clean the house? To cook a meal? To wash your clothes? To iron a shirt? Or just wear a sweater? What am I trying to say? The, the, the proverb says, in all your ways. 
Every single one. Acknowledge him. Why? Because as you acknowledge him in all your ways, you learn his voice. And if you're acknowledging him in what kind of milk to purchase, he'll speak to you in what kind of ministry to have. Because he knows if you're willing to acknowledge him in the purchase of milk, you'll be interested in listening to him and acknowledging him in the ministry. Listen, when you get down to the nitty gritty of your life and you're acknowledging him in the little things and in the small things, the Bible says, if you're faithful in the little, I'll make you Lord over many. Listen, as you begin to have different things, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Why? I've heard testimony after testimony of different men and women that would be talked to by God in the middle of the night. They would respond and they would do. Why? Because they were faithful in the little things to acknowledge him. And so when the big things came along, it wasn't such a big thing for them, for God to do it with them. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I'll tell you, there's a, a gentleman preacher, I don't even know where he's at now, but a long time ago, uh, he, he shared a story. He acknowledged God in the little things. He said, at first I thought I was just ridiculous. I'd stand in the grocery aisle and I'd say, okay, God, 2% or 1%. He said, until there came a time when I had preached a revival and he got into his car and it was almost midnight or one o'clock and he was on his way home until God told him to stop and pick up some milk. And in his mind, he's thinking, we don't need milk. So he stopped and he pulls over into a convenience store and he walks in and he's walking down the aisle and he's acknowledging him again. What kind of milk, God? Okay, I grabbed that. And he's heading to, to, he doesn't even know why he's purchasing it yet. And he's heading up to buy the milk and God says, oh, not just milk. And, and, and he got a laundry list or a grocery list to pick up. So he's, he gets all these packaged up and he gets it out to his car. And he's going, God, why did I buy all this stuff? And God just said, drive. And as he's driving down the street, God said, turn here. But God, that's not my way home. Just turn here. But because he had acknowledged him in his own life about buying milk and buying groceries and all things acknowledging him, all of a sudden, okay, God, I'm turning. And then he pulls up and God says, stop in front of this house. And he stops in front of this house. He goes, now take the groceries up and ring the doorbell. God, it's 1 a.m. in the morning. I don't know what's behind that door. Go ahead and do it. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. I'm speaking to you. God, because you've spoken, I've done it. He walks up in the middle of the night. He rings the doorbell. A gentleman answers the door. And this preacher said, sir, I don't know what's going on, but God told me to stop and bring these groceries to you. And the man that was in the door started weeping before him. And said it was an answer to God. I've just been praying because I have no food to feed my children in the morning. That's the kind of thing God wants to do with you and I. But he can't do that if we don't recognize his voice. And we won't recognize his voice if we don't learn to acknowledge him in all our ways. I want to close with this. How do you know? You're hearing from God. 
Or how do you get to the place where you're going to hear from God? I've got three things. It's based off of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set myself upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord said, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets. So there's three things I believe that you and I and God is calling us to in order to hear him. Let me stop before I say this and say we are not living in the Old Testament. God doesn't need me to speak to you. He needs you to hear him. Now he's going to use me as a mouthpiece for this church. He's going to use those that we, we ask to step into this pulpit and, and minister. And he's going to use us one another to speak to one another and edify one another in love. But he's not... He doesn't need us to speak to you. He is waiting for you to hear him. So the first thing you see here in Habakkuk, he says he stands upon his watch. In other words, he was still. To hear God's voice, we must stop and be still. We can't be busy with all manner of things around us and still expect to hear from God. Can I just tell you, that there's a scripture in Daniel, I believe it's the seventh, seventh chapter, that the devil says, I'm going to just wear the saints out. I can't beat them, I can't overcome them, I can't destroy them, so I'm just going to make them tired. I'm going to make them busy with the things of life. And can I just tell you, let me make a statement that I've heard my entire ministry, and I believe it 100%. You can become so busy for God that you become too busy for God. You get tied up even in the things that we would classify as good and righteous and holy. Whether it be cooking meals for somebody, whether it be serving somebody, whether it be praying for somebody, whether it be delivering something for somebody. Listen, all those things are good. But if you become so busy doing the things of God that you become too busy for God, you will stop hearing God. And you will miss out on the better thing. Because what you're doing every step of your journey with him is a good thing. But the one thing that God has proven over and over again is that he's always wanting to do the better thing. The good thing is good. The Old Testament's a good testament to have. But the New Testament is better. Read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews will tell you that all things that Jesus wants to do are better things. There's some times where I go down in my basement, don't have anything on, I sit in my chair, and I just close my eyes. And if you walked in at that point in time, you thought I'd be sleeping. But I'm just thinking. Not about what I need to do, not about bills, not about how I can make this function in this movement. I'm just thinking, God, Lord, I love you. And it's in the stillness of those moments. Can I just tell you it happened yesterday? Others were taking naps and others were watching things and playing things and doing things. And I was in the back and I, I may have even had the, the, the football game on in the background, but I was tuned out to it. My eyes were closed and God began to say, I'm trying to speak to the people.
Habakkuk said that he will watch to see what God says. He said, if I'll be still and if I'll focus on him, I'll be ready to hear what God is speaking. And then he said, the Lord says, write it down. Write it down. Can I just tell you, I, I like to think that I have a pretty good memory. But there are things, I don't know if I wrote it in this Bible or not, but I've written it, I think, in just about every Bible that I have, where, where God ministered. It's not in this Bible, but in my other Bibles on the front cover. The first time he spoke it was in 1989. I believe it was October of 1989. It was in a class. I invite you to stand. I'll give you some hope that we're done. And, and, and in 1989, I'm sitting in my homiletics class. Homiletics is the art of preaching. And you had 15 or 20 students. And, and then our teacher was this short lady. She was about this tall. And she was a firebrand preacher. And she was the teacher. And so the way that this class worked is she taught how to do expository speaking and topical preaching and, and how to, to put things together and how to raise your voice at the right time. And, and, and I don't know if I've ever listened to her or not, but I've just kind of done my own thing as far as preaching is concerned. I don't know if I do it right or not. But here's, here's what I want to get to is we would then give, be given different topics. And then in order to learn how to preach, we would preach to the students. So our, we would study Monday through Thursday, and then on Friday, our class was, was made up of, of 20 sermonettes. And they would give us five or 10 minutes. Look at that, I just tipped that over finally. After four weeks, <laughs> I've worked on it. We, we got up and we started preaching, and, and one would preach, and then the other would preach, and then the, by the time this hour and a half class was done, we had 15 messages that were preached. Well, it just so happened that in one of those classes, as one of us were preaching, and I don't remember the message that was being preached, but as one of us was preaching, the presence of God moved into that classroom on a Friday morning, and all of a sudden, worship began to spill out. And from side to side, the presence of God, because the word of God was going forth in power, and the word of God was was being resonating amongst the, the students that were in that class. And, and so all of a sudden, the word of God began to, 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 to trigger the presence of God. We began to worship. And then all of a sudden, we had what we had this morning of a tongues and interpretation, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And, and, and somebody began to give the tongues over here. And then shortly thereafter, somebody began to give... Uh, uh, the interpretation of that, that tongue, and this is what the interpretation was. I see you who, for who you are, and I will be with you in all things. Don't worry about your shortcomings or your inabilities. I've already covered those. Just do what I ask you to do and preach what I ask you to preach. That's what, and so we got done and we're, oh yeah, God's and so we get finished with the class dies down and we're getting ready to dismiss because it was lunchtime and us college students were hungry. Like you are now. And, and, and so the teacher says, listen, we can't go yet. We've got to write down what he just said. So I wrote it down in my Bible. Didn't think about it until about a year later 
I'm getting ready to get up and preach to the big church. And I'm getting up and I'm opening up the word of God to preach. Now, this doesn't mean much to, to most of you, but I'm standing in a pulpit in a church that was planted years before that had a Christian school for kindergartners through 12th grade. And then they had been training people for the ministry. And so over to my left, sitting in, that's when the ministry would sit up on the platform, you had Wayne Trout, founder, district superintendent, teacher extraordinaire. He could go from Genesis to Revelation every week. And he usually did. And then you had his wife, Janet Trout, who was a firebrand Louisianian that, that could preach the cover off the Bible. She was the one that, that Trish was talking about earlier tonight that just would be able to just, just take a spiritual knife and go right down to the core of who you were. And then sitting next to them was my hero, David Norris. <sighs> brains like crazy. Spiritual brains I'm talking about. Well, physical ones too. One of the smartest men I know. They're all sitting over there. I'm 19 years old getting ready to preach in the big church. And I open my Bible. I'm going to preach out of 1 Samuel. But I didn't get there first. I opened the front cover. And there written on the front cover of the Bible is what God promised me in that homiletics class a year or so before. Can I just tell you, when I read that, the nerves went away? And can I tell you, to God be the glory, that since that day that I opened up that word and looked at that as I'm getting ready to preach to the big church, I have never gotten nervous about coming up and preaching again. Oh, there's times where I get nervous that I have the right word to preach. That's happened. But to get up here, I'm not nervous when I get up here. I, I, I'm not fearful because I may have inabilities, and I know them, and you probably know them by now too. But that doesn't matter because God's going to make up for them. Because he promised me to do it. Fast forward about seven or eight years later. I'm serving the youth committee of the state of Missouri. And I get a call from the general youth president, Todd Daddy. He says, Tim, we're having a meeting. I want you to do the devotion. Now, now listen, I've been around the block a time or two, but I had never spoken to national leaders. What happens? I open the book again. You see, when God speaks it, write it down, and he'll bring it back, and he'll certify it for yourself. Listen. God has called some of you from a very young age, and you may have been running from it since then. You may not have attended church all through your growing up years. You may have been cold to God. You may have fallen into the things of sin. But back when you were a kid, there was something that happened. It may have been on a playground. It may have been in a church setting. It may have been in a school setting. I don't care where it was, but there was something that was lit when you were just a child. And you have tried to extinguish it, and the enemy has tried to extinguish it. Can I just tell you that God has asked your pastor to step into a pulpit and to declare to you it has all 
already been written down in the annals of history. God does not change. And the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So if he called you back then, that call is still active today. Are you listening for it? Maybe you were a teenager and God was impressing upon you. Maybe you were a young adult and God was trying to tell you to do something or become something, but you were too fearful of it. So you ran to this thing and you ran to that thing and that thing fell apart and this thing almost destroyed you. This thing twisted you all in the knots. Listen, it's time for the knot remover to come along with the great physician to step in your life and untangle the knots that you caused and begin to, to, to make a clear impression and release you again into what God has for you. Some of you don't even know that you've been called. He has called you and called you and called you and you're thinking, that's pizza. That's indigestion. God can't use me. God can't do it for me. Yeah, he can do it for pastor because that's what pastor is. He can do it for such and so because that's who such and so. No, 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 no. All of us were at your point at one time. Samuel ran to Eli. Get the irony in this. Samuel runs to the one that was causing the blockage from heaven. Eli, did you call me? Eli was an old man, blind. I imagine in my head, this is just me, it's not in scripture, I think he's pretty little grumpy. Samuel, go back to bed. It wasn't me. A couple minutes later. Eli! You should call me! Son, you're five years old. You should be in bed. Eli! Did you call me? What do you need? I'm here. And the light bulb goes off in that old man's mind. And I just have a feeling that for that moment, Eli remembered what it was like to hear from God. And in that moment, he said, Samuel, just go back and say this when you hear it. Are you listening today? 
I'm creating this entire sanctuary to be an altar right now. And I am encouraging you to begin to reach out to God in your own way. If that means raising your hands, raise your hands. Raise your voice if that means raise. But in some way begin to acknowledge his presence right now. And begin to say, Lord, I want to hear you clearer and better. I want to become your sheep. I want to know my shepherd. Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. Would you do that all across this place right now as they sing? Jesus. 